Now in this session, let's look at the trachea and the bronchi. In this image, we can see that the cricoid cartilage lies at C6. This is the only complete ring of cartilage in the body. The trachea begins immediately below it and ends where it bifurcates at the vertebral level of the T45 vertebral disc. Normally at rest it is about 10 centimetres in length but because it's an elastic structure it can in fact elongate in inspiration to as long as 15 centimetres. Approximately half its length, 5 centimetres, lies within the neck and another 5 centimetres lies within the thorax. It is lined with typical respiratory mucosa, which is a ciliated pseudostratified columnar epithelium. The site of bifurcation is called the carina, and below that the two main bronchi pass to the left and right. Now the right bronchus is wider, shorter, steeper, and approximately 2 centimetres long, whereas the left bronchus is narrower, longer, more horizontal, and is approximately 5 centimetres long. Because the right bronchus is shorter, it will divide into its upper and lower bronchi before it meets the hilum of the lung, whereas on the left side there is normally a single main bronchus entering the hilum. In a minute we'll look more carefully at the divisions of the bronchi, but for now it's worth noting that an inhaled foreign body is much more likely to enter the right main bronchus, and if the patient is recumbent, then the most likely bronchus that it will enter will be the apical bronchus of the right lower lobe. Note that the thyroid isthmus lies approximately on the second and third and possibly fourth ring of the trachea. Now here we show the trachea, the bronchi, and the bronchopulmonary segments. Once again we can see that the right bronchus is wider, shorter and steeper, and that the left bronchus is narrower, longer and more horizontal. The blood supply of the bronchial tree comes from the bronchial arteries from the thoracic aorta and some branches from the upper posterior intercostal arteries. Note that the supply is not via the pulmonary arteries. The venous drainage is to the azygos system and the hemiazygos on the left, which they reach via the bronchial veins. Some blood does return in the pulmonary veins. Although the arteries distribute with the bronchopulmonary segments, the bronchial veins tend not to. The bronchial tree is supplied by branches from both the vagus and the sympathetic plexuses at the hilum. The sympathetic fibres will vasoconstrict the vessels but dilate the bronchi and they'll cause decrease in glandular secretion. Whereas the parasympathetics will give vasodilatation, bronchoconstriction and increase of glandular secretions. And we believe that much of the sensation the general visceral afferents travel with the parasympathetics. 
chest physicians and surgeons will probably need to know all the details about the bronchopulmonary segments, but for many of us, we'll simply need to know an easy way of remembering the names of them, and the mnemonic is useful, and that if you start in the right upper lobe, then to the lower lobe, and then to the upper lobe on the left side, the middle lobe, and the lower lobe, there is a mnemonic which is a palm, a palm, a pays, a pal. It is perhaps worth noting the position that the apical bronchi emerge from their relevant sides and that they point posteriorly in each case. There are, of course, three lobes on the right side, upper, middle and lower, whereas on the left there are strictly only an upper and lower and a lingular, which is part of the upper lobe. The medial basal segment on the left is usually rather small because of pressure from cardiac development and may be just an extension of the anterior basal bronchus. So on this last image, we can see a little about the methods of emergency or planned access to the trachea below the larynx. For emergency access, we need to perform a laryngotomy, and this is through the cricothyroid membrane, which you can easily feel on yourself. Access can be rapid, and a small tube of some type can be inserted. Many a life has been saved by this method. But for prolonged access, a formal tracheostomy is needed. For this, the patient needs a full anaesthetic, and a hole is cut in the second and third tracheal rings, often with the need to divide the isthmus first. The inferior thyroid veins can often be a surgical nuisance. The tracheostomy is then intubated, and the tracheostomy tube can be changed at intervals. And with that description of the tracheostomy, we'll end this session. Please visit our website at incidentanatomy.net where you can find the complete collection of all our podcasts. You can also subscribe, download or order any of our material. You will also find full details of our range of mobile apps.